everyone, I'm Madeline Park, stylist and vintage fashion hound. I believe everything has a story, whether it be clothes or the people that wear them. It's needless to say that 2020 has been a challenging year for most, but a personal highlight has been finding my new creative home in the historic district of Potts Point in Sydney. For season three of Style Stories, I wanted to honour this vibrant community and celebrate coming together. What better way to do this than to partner with a community organisation that brings life and laughter to those who need it most, like the Wayside Chapel, the heart and soul of Potts Point, a Sydney village which has been likened to New York and Paris. Like these great cities, Wayside joyfully embraces diversity and brings together all walks of life in many creative ways, but notably through its op shop, which is renowned for being a treasure trove of donated designer digs, as well as a vital source of support for this organisation. Of course, I talk all things style with my guests this season. However, I also hope to honour their stories by highlighting their contribution to community, not only through their creative pursuits, but by looking good, feeling good, and most significantly, doing good. To help introduce season three, I spoke with CEO and pastor of the Wayside Chapel, John Owen, whose human spirit and contribution to community echoes through all the upcoming episodes of Style Stories. I hope you can sit back, relax, and enjoy our conversation. Thank you, John, for joining me today. Uh, it's a wonderful opportunity for me to have Style Stories partner with um, the Wayside Chapel for season three. Um, Getting to know a bit more about you, I know you're a man that practices what you preach um, and one of the things that you kind of advocate at the Wayside Chapel is closing the gap between us and them and you've done that from a very young age. Why was that important to you? Well, I kind of stumbled on my purpose in life pretty early. I was very yeah. lucky. Yeah. And so, you know, f getting towards the end of university, was thinking about, you know, what are the next stages in life? And I'd, I'd never actually stopped to spend some time with myself to say, you know, instead of what the world wants me to do, you know, what's the inner voice saying, you know, mm. about who, who do I want to be in this world? And so I thought I should take some time off. So instead of taking a year off to go overseas, I thought, you know, how about I just go around this beautiful country that, you know, we're migrants to uh, and just serve, uh, serve communities that uh, need it. And so, you know, uh, instead of heading off to Europe, I, I went down the road to uh, a housing commission area and met a group of people that were living and serving in that neighbourhood. And I thought, oh, I'll do this. This will be really a noble cause to get involved with. Mm. And, you know, when you have that moment where you know you're participating with the universe in exactly the right way. Yeah. And uh, I haven't looked back since. So that was a two-week uh, adventure that's now lasted 25 years. Yeah. So you, you've you always been sharing yourself and, you know, your home and even your family with people that are more disadvantaged than yourself. Um, tell me about your time at the Urban Neighbourhood of Hope and uh, how coming together was really important for the people that you were helping out? 
Yeah, so the first group I joined was Urban Neighbours of Hope and, right. you know, we were uh, very involved back then in working with kids who were in gangs as well as uh, women who were running away from domestic violence and uh, then I was working with the men who often were just in and out of jail struggling with uh, how they handle themselves, particularly when, with regards to being perpetrators of violence. And then there was another section of our work working with people who were seeking asylum mm-hmm. uh, and so mostly for from East Timor at the time. And so we see that there was a big need for uh, community and connection in that space because so often when you're struggling, you get thrown in and we are so isolated so often in um, westernised society. Uh, You know, we see loneliness and isolation is only increasing and now we see the statistics that say it is a more... Uh, unhealthy to be lonely than it is to be uh, morbidly obese and or even smoking. The yeah. health effects are worse. Yeah. And so we see that often when you're struggling and when you're caught, you even the systems we've created around that isolate us even further, you know. Mm. We're reduced to our problem, you know, and then, and then uh, agencies set up and groups set up to then reduce themselves to having a solution, you know, which... You walk in struggling and then someone gives you a pill, a program or a pamphlet and you walk away just as lonely as when you walked in. Yeah. So even our systems are struggling. So we said, you know, before we get too fancy with all these and I'm a social worker so I know all the tips, tricks and techniques involved, we say how about we just meet people where they're at? And uh, get to know them, not only as someone who is struggling with drugs or violence, is someone who has a passion for cooking, someone who has a passion for art. And so in my journey I've met many creatives, you know, who haven't found the right outlet for their passion yet and so often would turn into very self-destructive kinds of ways. And so by building community and connection with them, uh, we were able to build a community that was based upon gifts and contributions, mm. not upon deficits. Yeah. And so I just saw that and I'm, consistently be- I'm a consistent believer that if we have communities that are based around our strengths and our gifts, a gift-based community, we're going to build a stronger society. And that has many knock-on effects uh, for personal um, health but also for the health of co- our communities. Yeah. And so you've, as I said, you've opened your own home to to people. How's that as an experience with a young family? You know, the, there is a tendency for us to want to um, connect to our own families but to protect them at the same time. How did you kind of overcome that and... Well, when we first started, so I was single. So, you know, I was just (laughs) running a pretty wild open home for guys and, you know, I think I got told off the first week I brought in a guy off the street and then kind of – and then I went off to work and I think he robbed everything out of the house. And so we had a house meeting that night and I said, John, you can't do this (laughs) quite this way. And so we slowly – over the years, you know, it's about – it's a skill set. Mm. Uh, It requires a bit of training. But hospitality is very, yeah, natural for us all. So we can all share our our, our dinner tables with each other. So uh, an Aboriginal lady once told me, you are who you eat with. Yeah. And so often we get locked into this mode, I need to be a helper. It's about what I can do for them. Mm. And if we're really talking about creating a gifts-based, strengths-based community, then by sharing a meal we've become human. You know, the shortest distance between two people is a meal. Yes. 
And so all of a sudden I'm not, you know, this, uh, this helper with a university degree. You're not a homeless person sleeping on the streets with a refugee background. You know, we're telling the stories of our communities and our culture through our meals. Mm. And then so that's what we really appreciate about hospitality. Yeah. And then over the years, you know, you learn how to share. And we often found that people fall into homelessness because of a breakdown in community. And that's not said with any judgment. You know, you think about if someone at some point is in a family system and they struggle and at some point the family system is at capacity and they say, we can't care for you. You Mm -hmm. know, I often say, look, I've got ten nieces and on the 11th on the way, would you believe, no (laughs) no nephews. And so uh, I always say, look, if two or three of my nieces were struggling between us, me and my three siblings, we'd be able to... We'd be able to shuffle them around and grandma, my parents would help and their yeah. grandparents would help yeah. on the other side. But I said if that got to five, six or seven, at some point we're beyond capacity mm. to be able to um, care. And so that's so often uh, the people who access our buildings have, have got a you know a doubly broken heart. Not only are they struggling with sleeping rough, but they've also got that, that pain of rejection in their hearts that's saying my family couldn't even care for me. Yeah. And so... What we found where I was was it's very powerful to say you can come and be a guest in my house for a little while. Yeah. And it was a very healing uh, gift to be able to give to people. You can't give it to everyone yeah. uh, and often you have to make a determination. When we, when I was young and single we took in guys. When we got married we looked at different ways. My wife was already working there at the time. She was taking in women and then we took in women and then we had kids and they were all – we had three girls. Yeah. So we said, okay, we, we're not really going to be taking guys in for the next little while. So yeah. we just often took in uh, more women into our house, which, you know, probably to put the onus on me more uh, on how I conducted myself in that space. But sure. also, you know, you can tell people how to live but you can also show them how to live. Mm. You know, one of the most powerful moments I had from those days was – one day I came home and there was um, – the girls were playing and Lisa was there and there was about 20 little girls in our house. And, yeah. Uh, they were painting and it was just chaos and I think <laughs> I stepped on about 16 pieces of Lego. <laughs> and I kind of went – and then I saw Lisa across the kitchen and I raised my voice just to say, hi, Lisa. Yeah. But because my voice was raised, the reaction response of what happened next will stay with me forever is the room froze – Two of the girls jumped under the couch and three of them ran out the door. Right. And then we thought, when we stopped to think what happened in that moment, it's the fact is that the reality for those young girls was when a man comes into their house and raises his voice, it's time to get invisible. Right. And so it was a big lesson to us to say one of the most powerful things we can do is live our lives, Mm. is to show, you know, life is caught rather than taught. Right. If, if they can see an alternative to a way a man treats a woman, if mm. they can see an alternative to the way uh, a family unit treats their children, then they've got a fighting chance because you can't be what you can't see. So we found hospitality was such a healing way to be able to not sit someone down, here's your, here's your eight-week eight course that will get you restoration with your kids. Mm. It's to say just come and, and share a meal and spend some time and uh, let, let's learn to love together. Yeah. And I'm, it, are you still connected to some of those people that were your guests? 
Absolutely. You yeah. know, some of the guests we consider family now. Yeah. And so, you know, we've got uh, my, my two godsons uh, live in the house we used to live in and I got to meet his dad when his dad was about 11 years old and was one of the worst kids in our youth group. But uh, <laughs> I, 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 love the, I love him to death. He's a, he's a um, young man now who works serving uh, young boys. Uh, yep. He does a lot of work in the um, high schools in the local area as well as uh, in the juvenile detention centres, um, teaching them about culture and connection through sport and activities. It, he's a, and so, you know, all these kind of – everyone says the life you lead requires so many sacrifices but it actually involves twice as many gifts. Yeah. 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 So how did you come to Wayside – when did what point in your life did Wayside kind of come to you, or you come to it? Well, you know, <laughs> King's Cross, Potts Point, and now yeah. Bondi Beach. It's such, it's such an eclectic community. Yes, and so the work here is so non-standard. You know, you mm. uh, there certainly you you couldn't get someone who was vanilla to, to take <laughs> over from the predecessor. So. Uh, I, I often joke they said they searched the world and they found me in the gutter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, it was. I think they said, "Who's who's who's silly enough to take this role on?" Yeah. And uh, I think I put my hand up, and they went, "Yeah, if anyone's going to put their hand up, they've got to be silly." <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, one uh, I joined as an assistant. They conducted the international search, and uh, yeah, fortunately enough. Um, I was chosen as as the candidate, but when I walked in, it was at a time when our children were getting a bit bigger, mm. and they were they're in the process of finishing out HSC now. Right. So they're not babies anymore. Yeah. And they're so doing we their said, HSC this yeah, year. Oh, so, good luck to yeah, them. Yeah, it's <laughs> been a terrible <laughs> year to do HSC, <laughs> but they needed a bit of space, a bit of quiet time yeah. at home, just yeah. for a little season. And so um, my predecessor said, "Why don't you do everything you've always done?" Uh, from the building and then, you know, you can have your home life for a little while back to yourselves and thought, you know, that's a pretty irresistible proposition. So, you know, one thing led to another and here we are. I've been in his role now for nearly two and a half years, my role now. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. And um, one of the things that you guys advocate is embracing all walks of life. What does that mean to you for uh, the Wayside Chapel? Well, we see our strength is always in diversity, you know, yeah. if, and, and, you know, the creative process as well mm-hmm. is we always find new and exciting things emerge where we embrace difference. Mm. You know, where we reject it, we, we pretty quickly, you know, begin to uh, lose our creativity, lose our imagination. Whereas if I genuinely am walking into that place every day saying, what gifts can I receive in this place, then we'll, we'll find solutions to problems uh, that are five times as effective as anything we could have come up with by ourselves. You know, the strength of crowds, the strength of community, you know, often we get lost in this thought that, you know, um, the mob mentality is going to bring us down. But, you know, when I think of the Aboriginal community, we need more mob mentality in this world yeah. rather than less. Yeah. And in terms of the, as you said, the Potts Point community is eclectic and it's it's creative. How does... How do you? I want to describe the Wayside Chapel as the heart and soul of this area. Um, how do you see the relationship between mm. your organisation and 
this this precinct. The strength of Wayside is not in that we run great programs that help people who are sleeping rough get off the streets. Yeah. We do that and we love that we do that. The strength of Wayside is that this is a not a crisis centre, it's a community centre. Mm. You know, we have the creatives coming in and there are jam sessions. There's lots of um, musos from over the decades who live in this area now and they come down and they jam here alongside a guy who's just woken up in the gutter that morning and we have grandmas in this neighbourhood who come and knit and sew and one morning I walked in and there was a guy still in his prison gear just frustrated as hell being um, being uh, finger pointed at and wagged at by uh, one of our 80-year-old volunteers who was teaching him how to sew curtains <laughs> and he was getting really frustrated. She's like, you've got to <laughs> darn that needle. Yeah. And uh, I don't know what that means yeah. but, you know, that's the power of our community. It's about yeah. coming together yeah. and uh, that strength and that diversity, the beautiful part of the DNA of this neighbourhood is this is a place you can find a home where you haven't found one where you've grown up. Yeah. You know, this is that place where the the out the, the, the outcasts and the misfits find a place yeah. to call home. Yeah. And that's the strength of this community and we're proud to be a part of this community. It, it's, um, it's a real honour to be able to be the, the place where people can meet. Yeah. And now your op shop is um, a big favourite of mine, <laughs> somewhere I've been shopping at for a long time. Um, how do you feel like the op shop uh, uh, helps kind of send that same message to how the community comes together with the organisation? Well, how we do anything is how we do everything you yeah. know, in this place. So yeah. the, the, you walk into that op shop, you'll see, you'll be greeted uh, like royalty is how we treat everyone. We don't call anyone who walks into our place a client. Everyone's a visitor. Yes. And <laughs> they're in our space and uh, we don't care where you're from or what's in your wallet but you're welcome in this place. And so when you walk into the op shop, you see... Um, you. you You'll meet, you've met, you'll meet some of our team and yeah. they are just got the most amazing creative minds to put, mm. put combinations of clothing together. <laughs> and we also are very spoiled to live in a neighbourhood where there is some serious fashion going on yeah. and, it, and people are committed to the circular economy. So a lot of uh, we're not we're not in the fast fashion where things get quickly discarded for the next fashion. Yeah. It's about recycling and making new creations out of old stuff. Yeah. And so that's the, I think where the resonance happens actually is we say come to us as you are, you know, we're just as broken as you are, be open and honest and we'll make something beautiful out of it. Yeah. And so that's what our op shop ladies do every single yeah. day. Well, they do a very, very good job of it. Um, John... I obviously love um, storytelling uh, and, you know, one of the things I love about it is that um, we get to embrace difference and, and see all the wonderful things about somebody, the way they represent themselves, why that's different, where it's come from. It also shares these, like, beautiful moments of sameness. Uh, you guys do a really great job of sharing the stories of your visitors. Why do you think that those um, stories are so important to tell? Well, we understand who we are and our place in the world through stories. You know, yeah. we, we've all got our small story, me and my life. We've got our family story, how we've come, where we've come from, where we connect. Uh, we're learning so much from our Aboriginal community who have beautiful uh, storytelling lines that mm. uh, help connect them in not only with their own story but with others as well. So telling a story actually helps us make sense of what we are to do next and who we are now. Yeah. So our sense of identity comes from that story. No one comes to you unstoried. Yes. <laughs> and so often a lot of our work is helping people pick through so much of that narrative to find the story, not your bespoke, not the story that you choose, but 
uh, a healthy story. Mm. Because there is the story of loss and rejection and pain, but there's also the story of strength and resilience that yep. comes through. Everyone who walks through our door is a survivor. Mm. You're a survivor. I'm a survivor. <laughs> we, you know, no one gets out of this life without some pain. Yeah. And the beautiful thing is that when you find a community that accepts you for who you are, you are free then to discover who you can become. Mm. Um. So one of the things that we weren't necessarily here to talk about today was fashion, but in your newsletter recently you um, told a story which uh, basically shows the power a, a piece of clothing can hold for somebody. Can you tell my audience the story about the little boy who wanted to be a superhero so came to the Wayside Chapel? I'll tell you two stories if that's okay. Oh, you tell me. You can tell me as <laughs> many stories as you, know, you like. Yeah, so we had a little kid and, you know, it was dressed as a superhero day yeah. at school, at primary school, and then, uh, you know, all of his friends were getting their Iron Man costumes and and uh, their Superman and Wonder Woman costumes together and he just said to his mum and dad, six years old, he said, I, I want you to get me a T-shirt from Wayside, yeah. you know, the one with the heart and the wings. Because uh, that's that, that's who I reckon are pretty good. Yeah. You know, yeah. So beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> so we got this little T-shirt, turned up to school and uh, there he was uh, next, uh, you know, in his wayside T-shirt. Because, yeah. you know, what hope there is for the future. You know, there's so much when uh, a little kid uh, can really see what's important in this world. I think we've yeah. learnt what's important in this world through lockdown is, you know, it's not our sports stars and uh, celebrities that have gotten us through. Mm. It's our essential services workers, the people who, who went out there. Remember at the start, we had no idea how deadly this thing was. No. And it was just so much darkness and uncertainty and misinformation. Yet every morning they got up, they put on their scrubs and they went out there. You mm. know, I'm so proud of my people. We sat in the hall at the start of this saying, what do we do next? Yeah. And, you know, one by one, everyone stood up saying, we can't close. Yeah. We have to be here for people who the world said no to. Yeah. So it was very powerful. The next story I will tell you is a story from the op shop. It's yeah. so often – Wayside's famous for its for the weddings we conduct. That's the other thing about Wayside is we're not just here – no one's a problem to be solved or a person to be met. And when they flourish in community, we're there for their whole life. So from the womb to the tomb, I say, so we do weddings, christenings. We also do funerals. Yeah. And uh, so often I am called to conduct a wedding and uh, they'll turn up for their wedding and with nothing. Yeah. So I uh, had an old couple come, you know, they didn't have a cent to their name. Uh, she was 82. They turned up for their wedding in their normal day clothes. So I said, I rang up B and I said, yeah. B <laughs> and Lexi. ...do something yeah. and they went downstairs. Another little secret about op shops is we have a lot of wedding dresses... ...that are given to us that are unused. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a story. Yeah. Every piece of clothing has a story. It does. You know, in fact, if I could tell more stories, if that's okay... Oh, you go ...is so it. often in this neighbourhood, uh, we are, the, the work the ladies do there is amazing... ...because sometimes someone will walk in with a whole pile of clothes saying... This is my lifelong partner's clothing and they've just passed. Mm. This is so precious to me and it's such an important thing for me for you to know the story behind this clothing. Mm. And they'll accept that with reverence, yeah. you know, to say let's honour and continue the story of your partner mm. through this place. And so that's so powerful and the work they do is so precious there. And so they took this old lady and they just dressed her up and just made her look gorgeous 
and stunning. And this old fella, just his eyes bugged out when we, we married them in our community <laughs> garden upstairs. Yeah. He couldn't believe his eyes. Uh, he thought we'd brought a different woman out for yeah. him to marry. <laughs> We're not that kind of jabble. So it's just but the love that they put into those moments yeah. is what changes lives. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you talk about capturing the awesome. Can you tell me what you mean by that? Yeah, it's being captured by the awesome. Captured it's, by the awesome. Yeah. You say, look, you know, we, we exist on a wave. You know, we, we live through the highs and the lows of life. Right? Um, we can't stay high. The impulse to stay high is the impulse of an addict. So we live on that continuum. We live on a wave and we exist on that. And unfortunately, we become uh, locked into our own little worlds of understanding and we become experts in everything. And all of a sudden, we start lecturing people on uh, how they could make our lives better. And we lecture our partners on how they can be the world's best partner. And, uh, and there's no more miserable place than being the smartest person in the room. And we all know, and we all work with someone who has thought they're the smartest person in the room. Yeah. And what we say is we need to be captured by the awesome, which means we need to have our breath taken away. Mm. You know, I think one of the biggest things we've struggled through is our mental health through lockdown. It says we've been stuck in cities. The best thing I did a couple of weeks ago, I took a break, I went out to the country and just looked up at the stars and all of a sudden I was reminded of how small and insignificant I was. Mm. I was captured in that moment yeah. by a tree and by a sunset and by a starscape. We can also be captured again by our partners. You know, I've been with Lisa now for 24 years. Yeah. And sometimes I can be an expert in that space and tell her how she could be a better wife. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Can't we all? <laughs> but then there's those moments where I say, this girl that I married, that's no longer the girl I married, but wow, look at her now. Yeah. And we're recaptured by that. And we need to do that. We, there's nothing worse than just being locked in and being deadened by familiarity. You know, the, the longest a marriage can last is a day, right? Mm. You know, love needs to be remade every moment of every day. Yeah. And that's our challenge. Yeah. Everyone. Yeah. Well, John, I really uh, appreciate you coming to chat with me today. And as I said, it's going to be it's such a privilege to partner with the Wayside Chapel and members of our broader community uh, for this season. Um, I've been captured by your awesome today and I really appreciate you sharing your superhero antics with me. <laughs> Thank you, Madeline. Thank you for sharing your gifts with us. Thank you. I hope you've enjoyed listening to a small slice of John's story, a man that advocates love over hate, practices what he preaches and actively leads the beating heart that is the Wayside Chapel. As we reach the end of the year and head into the holiday season, now is a time to look good, do good and feel good with Wayside Chapel Opshop. You can shop online at thewaysidechapelopshop.com or if you're in Sydney like me, you can donate your pre-loved fashion items at their 40 to 42 Warners Avenue North Bondi or 29 Hugh Street Potts Point locations. If Style Stories made you feel good, please feel free to subscribe, leave a review or explore more of my guest stories on my website or Instagram at madelinepark.co. Thanks for listening.